millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Douglas, how are you, man? I am morning Friday. Potting. You're morning the week. I'm no. I'm in the morning potting. You're 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 fry potting. Bader and the D man, return. One more time. <laughs> Probably Last. every Friday because we suck at scheduling. Yeah, I think Friday is just going to be the new Thursday. Yeah, never because... really like Thursday. Yeah, and then people can listen to it on Saturday or pretend to listen. I don't weekend care. Weekend pod. Just, just ease right into that weekend with a just a uh listen a to our voices. Pod. Yeah. In the you morning. Know? Wake up in, on Saturday morning. Just listen to Bader and the D-Man. Yeah. In the in the market getting bagels, you know? Having brunch. What are you going to do? Brunch and pod? Brunch and pod. With your new headphones. I uh I admit that I bought a pair of headphones yesterday. Really? Cuz um, you needed more headphones. I think I I'm wearing headphones. your headphones. You're you're wearing my headphones. So I needed in-ear headphones. Um, and this is them. It's the Sony XBA H1. Uh, it's the wire cutter's pick for the best in-ear headphone. Uh, there's no there's no English on the back of this box, which is amazing. Cool. It's direct from Japan. Uh, so we'll see. I'm going to put those through its paces. I just reviewed a pair of headphones, actually. Um, the RHA T10i. Uh, if you haven't checked out that review, uh, look at it. I I actually really I love uh, the headphones um, more for their look than their sound. Their sound is like it's super bassy. Like this is a British company that's recently come to Canada, and uh, it's it's they're like two hundred and twenty five dollars I think, but they're mm. they're probably only worth about a hundred and fifty. But you, they, you, they're you're not beautiful. all about that bass. You don't like the bassy. It's too much. It's like uncontrollable it's one of those things where because they're in they're in your monitor so you you're supposed to get a seal in your ears Mm -hmm. they make your jaw rattle because it's it's like uh it's it's like one of those headphones that um puts like it, it pulls in so much low frequency and it puts it right into your brain and with a yeah that's not good that's not good for your brain kids I was um I was testing it with a bunch of hip hop and I was listening to uh, Kendrick Lamar's new album and it's like when that bass is going off you just you can't do anything else. I I'd, I'd tur- be more concerned about all that EDM those kids are listening to these days. Like holy cr- <laughs> like actually you know break your jaw off. Yeah. Don't do well, bass I, kids. I, don't I, do I don't, bass that way. I don't think a lot of kids are listening to in-ear monitors. They're probably listening to over the over the ear headphones like the beats tweaked out on something. The beats and the and, and the fifties. What is Fifty Cent's headphone company called? Mm. I'm gonna look. That I, up I right don't know. Now. Is it is it tied in with the water company that he owns? He owns a water company, like Vita, Vitamin Water. 
Oh no, I think he I think he just invested in vitamin. Doesn't Coke own vitamin water? Yeah, the, right. his are called SMS audio. So Anyway, that's our we always divert from yeah. what we're intending to talk about. That's our so headphone podcast. That's we'll have a headphone. Why not? We'll have a headphone podcast. So, what's up, man? How's how's your week been? Uh, pretty good. There was some there's some big news in the Canadian tech space. Uh, non-mobile company yeah, called Shopify uh, has filed uh, its intentions for an IPO, initial public offering, and that is a big deal because Canadian companies don't often do that. They usually uh, try to get acquired or do not succeed. <laughs> so uh, the community's kind of been paying uh, swift attention to that. Also, uh, we've been working with uh, Bruce Croxon and BNN on a little TV show called The Disruptors, which happened to air uh, last night. That's Thursday amazing. Night. I love yeah. it. So uh, you'll see you'll see a little bit of the beta kit on there with the the research and the and the startups and the yeah. So like how that. how is beta kit like involved in that? Uh, so we are kind of like the like the crack team for <laughs> imbuing it with <laughs> we're the we're the crack team. We do the, we do the crack things. Um, so any of the research, any of the background, um, helping prioritize guests uh doing doing research on interviews and things like that just helping uh make sure that the the context and the insight around these conversations because you know a show like bnn has to appeal or reach or speak to a broad audience so we make sure that the the startup stuff is is accurate and kind of on point um so so bruce and uh amber can just do their thing that's cool yeah you also might see us like on you know on panels participating as guests in the future no kidding. Well, yeah. bookmark that. That's awesome. I really enjoy that. I, I think um, you guys have been doing a really great job on uh, on BetaKit. Uh, and so, tell me a little bit about Shopify because I I know a, a lot of our listeners probably have heard of them, but I, I would may think a not lot of them know have a lot used Shopify without even knowing it. Right, much in the same way that they could use WordPress um, mm-hmm. every day without even knowing it. Um, so Shopify, I guess, essentially is an e-commerce platform that kind of it, it WordPresses out or YouTube's it, it democratizes anyone's ability to build uh, and get an e-commerce site up. So you know, it's it's not a complicated process. It's uh, something like anyone can do, kind of like a uh, like a Squarespace for websites kind of thing. Um, and that has worked worked very very well for Shopify. That's cool. So. Uh, basically, they provide like e-commerce solutions for small businesses, but they have also gotten, uh, from what I understand, they also have uh, like a physical retail POS space, right? Like they've they they mm-hmm. offer uh, in-store iPad and uh, is it basically like a like a Square competitor? Yeah, so I I think we you know uh, you had been tracking some of that really interesting like Frank and Oak kind of integration and this is that this convergence point where and i think amazon actually just shut down um their um shopify competitor it's like everyone is trying to converge all the different e-commerce plays so that includes like the in-store point of sale stuff with the the back-end platforms um because you know the more of those touch points that you can kind of own just the easier it is for the retailer um no matter who they are um, and I think the you know the Frank and Oak article that was done kind of pointed to the idea that you know even something that came pure digital is kind of moving to store experiences. Uh, we talked about that with the the Future Shop Best Buy stuff. So 
um, everyone's trying to have like a portfolio kind of gamut of all the all the ways that people can spend money for things. Right. Um, and kind of Shopify kind of s- started with like the templated store kind of things. Like you can buy store themes and all this stuff um, that it works for, you know, you know, one person business up to uh, larger companies. That's awesome. So it's a big deal. There's going to be more money in the Canadian tech space. You know, they could th- be the new BlackBerry. I think that's really the takeaway here, though, is that it's it is just a success story on so many levels, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, the you don't hear. I mean, Etsy just IPO'd this week, right? And they shot up by like five hundred percent or three hundred percent or something from their from their list price. I, I don't know what it is now, um, but it's just I it's think, just raining dollars is what it is. Like the, yeah, the I mean, stock and ticker Slack, is just dollar sign. Slack, another former sort of Canadian. I mean, it's not a Canadian company. They're based out in San Canadian Francisco, company, but, Vancouver. We claim them. Okay. Don't let I mean, anyone tell enough. you otherwise. I think that's fair. But, you know, they're... Um, it's like they... Superman and basketball. Those are totally Canadian. <laughs> Superman playing basketball yeah. is just the most Canadian Canadian thing you can think yeah. of, right? There will be a new Canadian heritage moment about Slack, I swear to God. Speaking of Superman, did you see the leaked uh, trailer for Batman vs. Superman? Leaked? I did not. No, I saw the... Uh... I saw the new Star Wars trailer. I did not see the Sa- uh, Batman Superman. Okay, so anybody listening who hasn't seen that yet, I'm sure it'll come out this weekend or tomorrow, but somebody filmed. It was a Spanish-speaking theater or movie, so it was subtitled, but somebody filmed it on his or her cell phone and released it to the internet. So check that out because it's awesome. Um, we're so anyway. off. <laughs> I think we know our demographic pretty well. Uh, we're talking about e-commerce and headphones and batman and superman that's well, that's in the mobile syrup kind of like oeuvre of interests of course it is we should then spend the next hour talking about the star wars trailer because why not <laughs> or teaser sorry teaser yeah um yeah so etsy etsy also ipo they're now at thirty dollars just a bajillion just a, just money so they matter they've doubled so they ipo'd at sixteen dollars and now they're Thirty dollars, which is amazing. Um, so good for them. I mean, that's another success story, and and Sh- Shopify uh, seems to be on the route to to being one of Canada's biggest companies. Yeah, and so the, Slack. the important thing here for you know, like well, this is like to give it to the mobile store people is like the the people that will get sweet golden hats of money um, from having worked at or invested in Shopify will create a whole new swath of kind of investment in Canadian tech that will lead to so many new companies popping up um, and building things in a way that maybe BlackBerry's ascension didn't quite happen until after kind of BlackBerry went under and all these people from BlackBerry have now gone on. Because when, mm-hmm. when BlackBerry kind of like popped, you didn't see a lot of people leaving BlackBerry to start a new mobile company, like not comparative to say um, some of the other major global tech companies. A lot of that stuff didn't happen until uh, like post two thousand and nine with BlackBerry's troubles, right? So the the chance here is for like a, a Shopify mafia of investors to just create a whole new slew of companies in both Ottawa, Toronto, Kitchener Waterloo, all throughout Canada. And I mean it's interesting you say the word mafia and I know that's that's being flippant, but there's actually um th- there's there's precedent to that. There is something called a Skype mafia, which uh, based on the success of Skype and the selling of that to uh, to eBay, um, and then no, you're talking about the, the PayPal mafia. No, Skype. Sorry, the Skype mafia is the 
runoff from the PayPal mafia, right? There's a few so mafias. There, there are several, but um, from what I understand, the former leaders, uh, the former um, founders of, of Skype, uh, once they sold... Um, I'm, I'm looking right now because everybody's heard of the PayPal mafia, but there's actually a Skype mafia too. Anyway, so there's a bunch of people who have invested in these or who have created these little messaging startups on the on the back of Skype. And I, I, I think, um, you know, this is this is a sort of trend is that you you get these success stories and they beget more success stories because there's interest and there's an invest and there's investment and then there's there's excitement. Yeah, and, and the the people who get the money in these scenarios are the kind of tech founder builder people who kind of want to pay back to people who are like them or would, you know, want to start a new thing. So, um yeah. It's 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 good. It's good for the Canadian economy. What else is good for the Canadian economy, Douglas? How about the LG G4? No, uh, that, that that was a terrible transition. No, I liked uh, it. I liked it. Um I think well, I guess it's good for the Canadian economy to know what the phone will be and look like prior to being it uh, like available for purchase or even even announced. Yeah, so basically, uh, let's let's uh, transition here quite abruptly. Yeah. So, um, and now this is the beginning of our show. So, thirteen minutes in, this is the this is the beginning of our show notes. I love that you announced it, and um, now we're starting. Uh, LG G four got leaked so we we haven't potted for about uh, 10 days and uh somewhere in there the microsite for the lg g4 got pushed out accidentally and uh, the problem was that there were it was using a bunch of placeholders for the g3 so the g4 itself was leaked but the specs were not so we know a few things we know that it's going to have a 5.5 inch qhd display like the g3 but it'll be of much higher quality it'll have a 16 megapixel sensor created by LG with an f1.8 lens, which is actually sharper and faster than the uh, Galaxy S6, which has an amazing camera. We think that it's going to have a Snapdragon 808 chip, which is a downgrade from the A10, but there have been so many issues with the A10, um, and that's Qualcomm's latest flagship chip that's based on kind of uh, ARM's a57, A53 combo uh, template that uh, they yeah. just, I think that they've downgraded that to the 808 because it'll, it really is not a big deal, right? There's not a whole lot of performance loss that you'll see ever. Nothing runs better than an 808 phone making, phone, phone making. <laughs> I'm on fire. Here. This is a Friday morning pot. I feel good. Coffee break. Oh. That's good, but yeah. Okay, so then, what do you, so what do you think of this phone? Just from what we know, because Ian and I were spending some time uh, in the office this week. Ian Hardy, um, Godfather of the the mobile cert mafia, uh, just looking at it and being like, hey, "Do we like this phone? Is it question mark? Is it obviously obviously like it's Microsoft photos, so like very very promo heavy, but just even like the color and the I don't know. LG's always kind of been a boring phone maker in my mind." Um, and this seems like them trying to not be boring a little bit. Oh, them's that that that's a shot, right? Like, okay, so the whole idea with LG was that they um, they went against the grain by putting their their power and volume buttons on the back. You know, they wanted to make their phone slimmer. This started with the G two and has since spread to basically every phone that they offer. Uh, 
No, I get that. I'm just saying, you know, when it when it comes to like if what platonic ideal of a phone, if you named like some of the major hardware fa- manufacturers, I can conjure up an image of what their family of phones looks like in my head. LG and um, Sony, in my mind, are just like the exact same like generic phone box. Interesting. And I mean, as somebody who who kind of doesn't live in the phone world all day every day, I can understand that. Um, like Was I, it- when I think of LG, I I definitely have a distinct picture of their brand. The problem is that they don't appear to have a great handle on their marketing when it comes to their own brand, right? Yes. Okay. So, and um, part of part of the disconnect when we were looking at the kind of the promotion of this on the microsite was like, is this what LG's trying to do? It's like, uh, it's like you know, you're, you know. Not a girl, not yet a woman. You're kind of feeling out adulthood. They were just like reaching for like, hey, we're sexy, LG. Yeah, I, I get that. I mean, there's one one of the issues that I found with with this is that there's, um, it looks very similar to a lot of their other devices, but they're clearly trying to differentiate based on where the puck was, not where the puck is going. So you know they're insisting that removable batteries are the are the are, are still important that micro SD is still important that these sort of major gimmicky software features are still very important without getting to the core of the issue mm-hmm. and I think something that Samsung realized with the with the S6 was that they just need to make a really good beautiful smartphone and everybody everything will follow suit I mean Samsung has an advantage right they've always been the front runner in the Android space and LG's always been second tier when it comes to brand recognition. So they've tried to kind of leverage the the sort of leftovers that, that Samsung has given them. So, okay, anybody who doesn't want uh, a Samsung phone with a small battery that can't be replaced, they're going to go for the LG G4. Uh, I don't yeah. know if that's enough to push people towards... Um, this device, especially since it appears that other than the camera and the screen, they really haven't done a whole lot to tell me why I should want this device. And yeah. obviously it's not announced yet, and we don't know all the details, but just based on LG's track record for software, I don't have a lot of faith that the phone will will live up to its own high expectations. I think I think the the myriad, you know, backing options the fact that it's going to offer five different leather colors and a, a number of different matte um, plastic finishes that's kind of cool yeah but i don't know is that enough to but, sell the phone itself but that's lipstick on the phone right and i think your point with the the them kind of being caught in the now rather than building the the future is very interesting because i that, i think that leads to that kind of like generic android phone sense i have of them because it seems like they they build for whatever the current audience of that vocal Android base is saying. It was like, yo, we want removable batteries. We want, we want this. We want the, this is uh, micro SD slots. These, this is what Android is. Like, we, we love this functionality. Whereas the, the phones that have started to be more successful are the ones that are kind of like pulling away from that and doing their own thing. And b- people forget about fe- features um, the minute that the experience is nice enough for them to not need it, right? Um, so I think... They they might win an audience by being like you know the last remaining Android phone that does all these Android things that Android users said were really important to them for years. Um, I do I do like the the color options, but 
Yeah, you're right. It's not like they're they're saying, you know, this is what a phone should be in 2015. It's more like here's our here's our the prettiest version of our phone, which is the well, same. What phone. what could be interesting is whether if they go say the the Motorola route, if they release a phone significantly cheaper than the flagships and then start offering the accessories to build up the margin mm-hmm. at a higher cost. So Motorola, for example, their Moto E, Moto G line, they sell basically at cost uh, from the carrier that, or, or outright. You can buy it, you know, $200, $250, but then they make a lot of that margin back with uh, $15, $20 accessories that cost them $0.10 cents to make. Um, it, it appears that LG is sort of moving in that direction here by offering these customization options. Uh, Motorola did that quite effectively with the Motomaker system, but it's unclear how LG is going to offer its its different backings, whether you're going to be able to go into a Telus or Rogers store and buy one off the shelf to, you know, augment your, your you know, daily feelings. Yeah, because or... the, the benefits of the Maker thing is that it's, it's all being decided beforehand, whereas if you're doing it in-store, there's a, a whole waddle of inventory problems. Although I do like what they're doing with, like, the backs and stuff. Like, I, I like... I like some of this, but I, I also think that a lot of that's superfluous to the the phone itself. Um, yeah, and it, if, if if you don't find the phone compelling, or actually to put it another way, if the phone marketing isn't on point to make you understand why this phone exists and why you should want it, then it becomes like the customization options and the additional accessories don't matter so much. Yeah, and I think what LG kind of doesn't get yet is that people want the whole package. You can't just sell the phone on its superior screen or sharper camera. You can't sell the phone based on the fact that it has leather backing options. The the great move that Samsung made with the S6 was the simplification of the message. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's just a beautifully made smartphone that you're going to enjoy using. And that's what the iPhone has been for so long. It's That's what Apple has found so much success with the camera has always been good the screens have always been good the the you know the the experience has always been good but they don't necessarily i mean they do in some marketing material like the shot with iphone series that you see on bus billboards and stuff but apple has just been pushing the fact that it's a cohesive whole yeah, but the shot with great... iPhone stuff just reinforces that notion that it's a really great phone, right? That, like, the beauty of the photo is associated with the power or the beauty of the device. But I think you're right. Like, just that, that idea of the fallacy of choice, and I, I think part of it is because of the, the difficulties in being an Android manufacturer. You're competing with so many other OEMs, and you're trying to find spots on the margin mm-hmm. if, if you're not building the best phone in the world or even trying. But... I think for for broad swath of the consumer base, they're just like, so what's the good phone? I would like a good phone, or like I'd like a cheap phone. And when it comes down into the weeds of like, I need super durable, I need twelve x battery life, like that's you you just you're you're thin slicing ever farther with those specific choices. Yeah. Um, and you know, I agree. You see the t- I agree. The- I, I think, I mean, LG is probably going to make a fantastic device. But so did Sony, so did Motorola. You know, these are companies that struggle so much in the North American market to sell anything. Yeah. And it comes down to the fact that when you walk into a store, most people are overwhelmed with choice and they know two brands. They know Samsung and they know Apple. And they walk out with one or the other. And uh, we talked in the last pod about the um, 
you know, what a $350 iPhone 6 is going to do to the Android market. But I don't think it's going to benefit LG or Motorola or Sony. It's going to benefit Samsung directly. And, I, I, you know, it's, it's probably not a, uh, a zero-sum game. I don't think all the potential iPhone sales are going to go towards Samsung. But I do think that the majority of people who are going to look at an iPhone 6 and balk at the price are either going to continue balking it, balking at it and still buy one or just move to a Samsung and be like, okay, well, that's all I give a sh- that's yeah, because what I care about. Do they about. want to consider it? Yeah, I think I think maybe us in the in the tech press we kind of look at this stuff like uh the sales of devices are um inextricably linked to the quality of the device. But a lot of it's just like awareness and marketing and um you know, even even Motorola what they're doing, they're you know, they're trying to make a really great device or a really simple device. It's just their one caveat is it at X price point. So, like, we'll not go beyond this and give you the best experience at this level. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would, if someone's looking at an iPhone and they're like, yeah, I want an iPhone, I heard it's really good, it's really nice, and they're like, whoa, that's way too expensive. You know, are they going to just get a cheaper iPhone because they want the iPhone, or someone maybe puts the, uh, uh, the Samsung S6 in front of them? But are they going to be like, hmm, I should really consider these other brands that I've never really heard of? Yeah, no, historically, people don't switch. I mean, realistically, if you're going to get an iPhone, you're going to get an iPhone because by now you're already entrenched in the iOS ecosystem. So they're not, I mean, there are some people who are going to go to a a carrier store with the intention of upgrading to an iPhone and walk out with a Galaxy. But realistically, uh, both from an internal struggle, having, you know, with the knowledge that they're going to have to set up their apps again and, and, and re buy all of their favorite services or, or whatever um, or they're going to um, have to kind of just suck it up and pay the, the extra money for yeah. the device especially since $350 in the scheme of things is really not a lot of money when you're paying two three thousand dollars over the course of two years for your plan well uh, I, I just people think people would be like okay so the six is too much have you seen the 5s it comes in gold <laughs> right but i i know a lot of people that i've spoken to either want a zero dollar phone or they want the phone that they want right there's not yeah. there, there's not a big uh delta in between those things yeah it's that that fallacy of choice like and i think so we're gonna get hammered in the comments probably by our listenership because they are the type of people especially the android users who will kind of like you know it's like they're like um foodies uh or like people really into cheese they're like hmm uh for my next phone i think i'm looking for something a little smoky with uh some deep undertones and uh you know cheddar is better uh but for the majority of people they just kind of want to get they want they want experience. They're like, I need I need phone. I need good phone. Can you give me good phone? This one, okay. Huh. Yeah, and that's why that's why the the low end Motorola phones have been doing so well because you go into a store and you say, I want a free phone. What free phone can you give me? Yes. And they go Moto G, period, full Boom. stop. No, like no other option because the carriers have no. I mean, they they deal with all these crappy like zero dollar phone returns right they have to deal with the the notion of uh people coming back and being like i hate this phone it's terrible mm-hmm. um you know what what else can you give me or like i just want an iphone so yeah. um you know if for, for them it's in their best interest to recommend 
high quality devices. And there aren't a lot of high quality $0 phones right now, except for, you know, the, I mean, what, what's interesting is that a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, the, the, the law of averages and, and, and time eventually leads to every phone being $0. So, yeah. you know, eventually if you wait long enough, the high end devices like the Galaxy Alpha that you reviewed will go down to $0. Uh, and if you wait long enough, anything goes down to zero dollars. So I'm looking on the Rogers site right now. The Galaxy S4 is zero dollars. Uh, the LG G3 is a hundred is is fifty dollars, which is a pretty good deal. Um, the Xperia Z1 is is zero dollars. So oh, the G3 Vigor is zero dollars. So let's talk about that for a second because you and I had a the first Volte phone call using this crappy yes. mid-range device this was very interesting yeah well it's difficult because like we, we you literally were like boxes of phones let's do this so it was the first time i had kind of even touched the phone uh so separating the phone specific experience with this new fancy technology um was interesting but mm. so you know i i thought it was um very different like noticeably different compared to just a standard phone call, um, but not necessarily worse or better. It's just kind of like the specifics of the experience changed. Interesting. Yeah, you mentioned at the time that it, it felt less human. Like, <sighs> okay, so it's, this is difficult to describe, right? Because it's all interpersonal. But I think when most people think of a standard phone call, uh, there is... A sense almost like that they're hearing someone through a tunnel. Like they, they can physically tell that there's someone like you can kind of hear the the line, you can hear the, the distance. Yeah. Um and then the the quality of the connection and maybe where that person is uh, affects that. So it sounds like if if you're two people talking on a cell phone, it sounds like they're far away. Right. Um but you know, you get a sense of with where they are from where they're calling. Oh, it's windy where you are. Oh, um, you really have the phone close to your mouth. Like, or, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of background noise. With this call, it was almost like the, um, you were inside my phone just talking, or it was just like digital audio. So that distance was all gone, and the entire experience was in my phone rather than me hearing you from your phone. Right. Um, and what, what I found so interesting about it was, first, the quality was much higher. I mean, mm -hmm. just objectively, you had more bandwidth. Your voice was fuller. It was, uh, I, could, I could hear the subtleties in your words. There was no distance from your mouth to my ear. So it was basically yeah. like you were just talking in my ear, similar to the way that a Skype call works. Um, uh. And it, it, I mean, Skype, when it works, is a pretty decent experience sure skype to skype yeah. um and other other voice over ip services work in a similar way this was interesting because the notion of making a volte -E phone call is eventually just going to be making a phone call you open yeah. your phone dialer you type in a number and you connect the difference between Volte E and a regular 3G call is that it takes about two seconds to connect. So mm -hmm. immediately, almost after I press the, the dial button, your phone received it, which is different than what it is today when there's a six to seven second 
connection time, which is a fee essentially. You're paying a time fee, right? It's it's just you're waiting for the technology. Yeah. Um, and you can also in um, while you're making the call during the phone call, you can actually switch to a video call on the fly, and yeah. that's kind of cool because it's and- native to the phone experience. Yeah, and that's something that you would like. I hadn't really considered that you know, uh, FaceTime and things like that just kind of go away once voice calling or sort uh, video calling is ubiquitous across cellular networks, right? Right. Um. So yeah, I thought it was yeah. It sounded like you were just an MP3 playing from my phone, um, and that was different because it like it did sound. Like, I didn't know what was going on with you. Like, I couldn't get any information about where you were or, like, if you were outside or inside or anything. It was just your voice projecting from it. But the, mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, I guess that's an improvement. The, the the lack of call lag is an improvement. The ability to immediately go to um, video call uh, was kind of cool, although I was having problems with the, the phone switching it over. But I think that was the phone. Like, the touchscreen on the phone was not... Um, as responsive, I think the actual call experience was fine. Uh, yeah, and it's early days yet, so I've been in touch with the Rogers technical team, and um, they've explained to me a couple of things that I that I didn't know when I wrote about the piece. For example, when you make a phone call using a Volte enabled device to a non Volte enabled device, your phone still stays on LTE. Mm-hmm. You're connecting through the IMS system that uh, Volte is is kind of uh, leveraging so it no longer has to drop down to 3g even if your phone is connected through 3g on a phone call which is really cool um it's just the benefits of that call are are no are no longer there right so you no longer have that high bandwidth wideband voice call anymore yeah, but uh, you don't you don't have to make any decisions or cho- like do I call via this or that, which I yeah, think is smart. Exactly. And so when and when you called me on my personal phone, um, it just sounded like a phone call again, like yeah, a, a exactly. traditional phone call. So it's a seamless experience for people, and eventually, when more and more devices have this feature, you won't even know. It'll just if you have the ability to make a a, a voice call, the the button will show up there, and if you don't, then it won't, and. Uh, this is something that's going to roll out over a couple of years because right now it doesn't even seem like Rogers has a vested interest in upgrading its older devices to support Volte. No, um, we that's had a, a that's a headache, man. It's it is it's a total headache, but it also relies on the on the OEM, right? So you have to reach out to Samsung and say, hey, we have six LTE ena- or Volte enabled devices that we've already launched. Do you mind? you know, turning on this tiny little feature and they'll be like, well, it costs a lot of money to issue an upgrade. So why don't we just roll it into a future update? And that may take eight months to a year to get that update out. So they're only releasing newer devices right now with full TE, which is sad, but understandable. Um, And right now, the only device to take advantage of it is like a really crappy mid-range LG device called the G3 Vigor, uh, which is not a good phone and I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. So, yeah, I mean, that's it's kind of cool. It's a new technology. It's enabled in Canada. It's going to come soon to other carriers, blah, blah, blah. Um, OnePlus, yeah. another, another OEM that's had some Canadian troubles. Uh, this is a company that made a lot of mobile syrup readers very happy because they essentially 
brought out a Nexus 5 replacement at a time when the Nexus 5 was hard to find. Mm -hmm. Uh, This has been a really good device. It's still cheap, but they had to stop Canadian shipments because they had logistics problems with their uh, supplier. So they re-enabled Canadian shipping on April 10th. You can now buy OnePlus One in Canadian dollars. It ships without duties or taxes, and it is going to arrive at your door in about half the time. Yeah, which is awesome. So that's interesting. Like, so tying that back to the um, the LG stuff, when you look at the types of people who are going to care about like Android from like a feature to feature kind of like I want exactly this phone experience. I want these things plus this thing plus this thing are probably way more inclined to just get a OnePlus One, order direct, which requires no marketing budget, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> than to, to go into a store and, and buy this. So it seems like that kind of stuff, like like on on the low end or on the, on the not premium amazing device um, kind of Samsung level, what Motorola and like OnePlus do in terms of the phone offerings... It seems like way more smarter for the Android space. And you see the other companies in the mid-range, um, like HTC, Sony, LG, just struggling because they're not one of those things. They're just caught um, caught in the cycle of mediocrity. It's unclear how many devices OnePlus has sold to Canadians, though. So we have to preface things by saying that the majority of Canadians still buy their phones from a carrier. Mm-hmm. And as ubiquitous as the OnePlus One is in Canada, I mean, I see a lot of them. It's it's not a it's not an overly popular phone. I mean, a phone most no, people but I'm would saying, have. You know, at a time when you have other smartphone manufacturers who are trying to reach the broad, broad populace, you know, suffering losses because of the budgets required to market to that. Whereas you have someone like OnePlus just coming in on like doing like referral things and like everyone on the on the mobile syrup site and forums and things like that just know who they are. It's like their their operating cost for getting, you know, they might not be selling as much as an HTC, but their costs are way lower. Like they're they're directly profiting from this, right? So that, that I guess that was that was kind of my point there, where it's 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 tough to be in the middle. Yeah, uh, much like the NBA, yeah. you, you want to be either really good or really bad. Why would you want to be really bad in the NBA? Because then you get draft picks. Oh, you mean the team, not the player. No, yeah, yeah, sorry. So okay. NBA playoffs start tomorrow, guys. So uh, we the North, let's go Raptors. All that. Uh, do we have it? What is it? We, we, what <laughs> it is going to be Paul Pierce's funeral, because we're burying that corpse. Whoa! Hot Whoa. takes. He's, he's already an old man. Don't, don't, don't kick him while he's down. He's only, uh, he's only like six years older than me, too, which hurts. <laughs> he's old in, for the NBA. Yes, NBA old. Um. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So, yeah, I agree with you. I just think that, you know, OnePlus has done, as, as, as cheeky as some of their marketing tactics have been, they've done a good job uh, appealing to 
a very shrewd audience of uh, totally. of smartphone users who are looking for the best deal uh, or, or the best return on investment. And and there's no argument that your purchase of a OnePlus One is a great return on investment. You know, it's yeah. almost a year old now. It's done really really well, and uh, it's they're they're. Um, Oh, breaking. Apple Pay plans to launch in Canada this fall. Wall Street Journal. Sorry, I just saw that right now. Um, So, yeah, I think that uh, they've done a really good job marketing themselves. They've done a good job upgrading the device. I think uh, they, you know, CM12 is a pretty good update. And as as long as people had to wait, they're going to be happy with it. Mm -hmm. It's still a great device overall. And it proves that you don't need the latest specs to to be a, a happy smartphone user. Well, yeah. So we were talking you know, on the pod last week about that that kind of like you know the end of Future Shop, um, and really the end of kind of the big box retail when people can really buy what they want direct. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think the the success of the OnePlus One is like an example of that kind of like tech purchasing from a from a phone perspective, where like the people who really care about that stuff can just go get that. Cutting out the middleman, exactly. Yeah, and they don't they don't need like Robert Downey Jr. in a commercial to like convince them that they should buy a different phone from the one that they actually want, right? Yeah, I, think, I, mean, I think it's smart. It's interesting you mention that because uh, Robert Downey Jr. represents HTC, and they paid him a lot of money. And today, April seventeenth, is when the one M nine comes out, and that's an example of a company that's doing so many great things uh product wise but from a from a marketing perspective they they just don't have the momentum that they need and they don't have the budget they need and therefore they can't get the momentum they need to appeal to the wide audience that say an, a OnePlus would um and even though HTC is a much more well-known brand obviously than OnePlus mm-hmm. uh they're they they are stuck in that uh, purgatory where they're overshadowed by so many other Android OEMs that are doing the same thing better, and on the on the in the low end, they're being squeezed by companies like OnePlus and Xiaomi, yeah. uh, that have these broad, you know, Chinese-based. Um, oh, OnePlus is a, is a sort of a weird anomaly because most of their sales have been in North America, but their parent company Oppo is one of those disruptors that uh, seem to be making waves in China and, and, and you know, the greater Asia area by undercutting a lot of the incumbents like Samsung. Totally. And, and they're doing a great job at it. So, yeah, so, like, so the, the phone's out. I think we've, we've talked about it before. Um, which phone? The OnePlus, the One M9? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great phone. I think, you know, if you are, if you're stuck... Is it a great phone or is it a very good phone? You know what? Uh, I've played with it a lot, and I've 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 gotten since the pod last last time we I got a North American version. So none of the battery problems that I had with the international version are are there. Mm. I can use it on LTE in Canada everywhere because the last one only had band seven, which only worked on Rogers and Bell, and it, it didn't work in all parts of Toronto. It's a great phone. I will say it's a great phone, and you should definitely consider it. Uh, it's. It's got better battery life than the S6, but it doesn't have as wide a feature set as the S6. So, um, you know, its, it's battery 
uh, is only one is basically the only thing that is demonstrably better than the S6. Everything else kind of is almost as good or or much worse. So almost as good is the screen. It's got a great screen, but it's not as good as the S6. Mm-hmm. Uh, the software is whatever. I mean, you can basically make Android whatever you want. So if you launch, if you install a custom launcher on the S6, you can forget about most of TouchWiz's problems. You can um, you can charge it in better ways. Uh, the, the S6 you can charge uh, wirelessly, which is awesome. And uh, the camera—it's—it's it's really what comes what it comes down to for me is that the S6 just has a far better camera than the M9. Yeah. And so so it's it's very good or great, but not the best. Correct. Which is a tough place to be in, and it's also god damn is that thing heavy? Really? It 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 just yeah it just feels like c- compared to other phones, like it just feels like or it's just like the density of that thing, like that is just a block of metal. It is a thick. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of like so. It's very similar to the the one M eight in in the overall aesthetic and design, and uh, but it almost seems like that kind of thing where back in the console days, uh, Sega was like, "You like the Genesis? How about we just stuff the Genesis with more stuff? Thirty two X Sega CD." And like they didn't make a new thing so much as just like cram the old thing with stuff. Mm-hmm. And the the one M nine feels that way to me. Like it's it's. You know, it feels it feels like the yeah, hyped I, I, up version of last year's phone, rather than absolutely a new phone. is. It, it's it's very much a, an old phone um, that's been slightly updated to today's specifications. It's like it's Street Fighter Two Championship Turbo Edition. But is that a bad thing, really? I mean, Street Fighter Two Championship Turbo Edition was a great game, right? Like all what it's it's basically a distilling of everything that made the M8 great and the M7 great, right? They they have gone through, they, they went through a checklist. And isn't that what a smartphone is today? The, you know, the, the maturity of the smartphone industry necessitates the fact that there, there are no more broad strokes. It's all about refinement, refinement, refinement. Yeah, but it's, so, not, a, it's, not, a, it's not a checklist though, right? It's about the overall. And so I, if, that, if that phone exists in a vacuum, sure, that's a fine phone. But you just said... You just laid out the reasons why you would take another phone because it didn't live up to the best phone on the market, right? But so if there's those not are those are my experience. those are my needs, right? Like my needs, my need for a, a better camera overshadows anything else, right? So I will I'll take a phone with a better camera because it has a better camera. Yeah, but Whereas the, I the think, broad phone buying market has sided with you on that. No, the the broad phone buying market has sided with the fact that Samsung has a much bigger budget for most things i mean when it comes down to it most of the criticisms of the of the 1m9 are are extremely minor and and anybody who buys one or the g4 or the xperia z3 or the moto x i mean they'll they'll all have a great experience it's a it's a problem where it's it's more of a, a marketing and availability problem than a quality problem because everything is high quality these days. And I'm surrounded by really high quality smartphones and I often go, well, you know, this is we're 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 suffering from an abundance of good cho- of of good choices, right? No, we're not and suffering. The the companies selling these phones are suffering. We're we're doing we're doing fine. We have the choice is good for us. But so it's I I I think you're saying when it's quality, 
it, or quality versus marketing. And you just, it's just the phone in some way needs to stand out. And it needs to stand out because it's amazing. It needs to stand out because uh, the brand and the marketing makes it everywhere. So you, it's the first thing you think about when you think about buying one of these things. Or it needs to be at the low end like, this is a great phone for this price point. You know, this mm-hmm. is the best version of a phone if you're only willing to spend this amount of money. And HTC doesn't check off any of those things. It, it, its Venn diagram is is kind of in between all of these ideas but doesn't overlap. And, and it's just kind of there. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's the Android market in general, though. It's not limited it's to true. HTC. That is, is that, that is very you true. Know, you you have all of these all of these companies that cross over parts of the Venn diagram, and, and and so many of them are are good for some things, but at the end of the day, uh, it's just easier, and that's why curation is is so important in today's tech age because there's so much choice. People just want to be told what to buy and what's the best. So. You know, that's why we do smartphone reviews and we do recommendations mm-hmm. and things like that because it's hard to make these decisions and everybody has their biases. So um, the one thing about Apple is that people are very loyal to Apple. But what we found and, and what HTC has admitted is that people aren't loyal to HTC, right? No. They'll, they'll be fickle about HTC phones because there's no loyalty to a brand. And similar to Samsung, similar to LG and, and Motorola, it's very easy to divest yourself of any loyalty to an Android manufacturer because they're so similar. Yeah, but and then also because you're still staying in Android, right? Yeah, but I mean that's that's another thing is that how much of Android is Google and how much of Samsung's Android is Samsung, right? You know, what are uh, the benefits of Android to I, the, the majority always, of its user base? I always side on the 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 platform it's it's tough it's tough building basically the components of someone else's offering but so then maybe we should get people in the comments cuz i'm i'm sure we're we're just spitting you know moderate and you know insightful fire at these android phones that which we think are very good but like tell us why the 1M9 is a phone for you or even talk to us about leave a comment about what are, what is your criteria or what is your thought process when you look at like a new portfolio of Android phones, you know, how you approach it, like what the first thing is, like camera, price, you know, the checkbox features, um, if it comes in like a weird champagne gold color, uh, things like that. Speaking of which, I want the green S6 to come to Canada so bad. (laughs) I will buy that so fast. Just bring it, Samsung. I don't care. Just yeah. do it. So you can put it in a giant case. I'll never put my S6 in a case. It's too nice. It's too pretty. Um, yeah, okay. So I totally, I mean, we we live in this bubble, and we say this every week. We live in this bubble. We don't buy phones the same way that regular people buy phones because that's just our job. So, yeah, tell us how you buy your phone today. I mean, do you do the research beforehand do you go into a carrier store and look at them and compare and contrast i mean these are important things because we're completely uh you know sort of 
veiled by this by this whole process these days and we probably yeah. should spend more time pretending that we know nothing about smartphones and just going into carrier stores and having people sell us oh, on things. man that's so terrible we we can't escape our genius it's not our fault we like there's nothing we can do about that but you know we but we do know people who are sales reps at these stores and the the reasons you know maybe we should do like a phone sellers anonymous and get a few of the actual store people who are on the ground being like, do you want this one or this one? To say like what they really look for and what they do, um, what, what they get asked when they're selling phones. Well, from, I mean, across, from across the carriers. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be an interesting little piece. So, I mean, moving on from that, you know, we have the S6. It was, it's, a, it's, available, um, it's been available for a week. Apparently, it is selling so well that Samsung can't keep up with demand, mm-hmm. and uh, especially with the Edge. The Edge has been way more successful than Samsung thought, according to uh, analysts. It's accounting for 50% of sales in some regions, where Samsung wow. totally thought it, w- it would be in the 20 to 30% range. So they, they can't keep up with demand for that, especially. Um, we've we found um, just from my cursory questions to people who have attempted to buy the S6, most most uh, carrier stores don't have the 64 and 128 SKUs. They only have the 32 bit uh, 32 meg SKUs. Sorry, 32 gig SKUs. <laughs> um, and uh, I guess you know over time that will that will get get easier to find, but. I mean, it's interesting that this is the first time Samsung has gone the Apple route and offered six SKUs for a device, right? Yeah. They have 32, 64, and 128 for both the S6 it, and S6 Edge. But did we post a story earlier this week about the profit margins on the Edge being, like, way worse than the S6? So this really sucks for Samsung? No, I mean, their profit margins are still quite high. It's the most expensive smartphone to manufacture in the world right now, though. It costs Samsung about three hundred dollars U.S. to build each S6 Edge, uh, so they're they're pro- I mean they're making good margins on it, depending on what they're selling it to carriers for. The problem is that there's no unlocked market in Canada, right? You can't buy a Samsung phone from Samsung the way that you can buy an iPhone from Apple or an Xperia from Sony or a Nexus from Google. There's just no unlocked Samsung smartphone market mm-hmm. because they feel like the carrier model is just way more profitable for them oh yeah so maybe you know let's start a campaign let's appeal to samsung and bring the unlocked phones to canada just do it i'm sure that they would love to do that eventually once like you know they've they've fought for those carrier relationships which is why their phones get pushed over some other android phones right especially as the the counter flagship to to Apple, but I'm sure Samsung would love to be in a situation where they sold so many phones that they could just sell direct. Yeah. Eventually. Well, I'm sure they could today. It's just they don't want to harm any of those relationships, as you said. Well, it'd be interesting. If they didn't have the backing of the carriers, would they just become one of those hard-to-stand-out, forgotten Android players? Or would people have, do people have loyalty to Samsung? I think people do. I think people are are loyal to what they know, and if you've been invested in Samsung for the, I mean, unless you've had a bad experience, and and the thing that they're trying to counter that with the S6 is 
those Android users who have had bad experiences and then left to go iPhone, right? They want to bring people... Not an Xperia, an experience. An experience. Um, But Um, yeah, so, you know, in terms of Android loyalty, I'd say, like, tier one, Nexus, people ride or die Nexus, and then Samsung would be close second. Um, And then I don't think anybody's third. Um, Or it's just the field. Yeah, Nexus is interesting. Nexus is a very, very small population compared to Samsung, but a very fiercely loyal one. Yeah. Shoutouts, Jane. What up, yo? How's Portland? We miss you. She's just wearing flannel all the damn time. Uh, it's, apparently, it's too hot. Can't wear flannel in uh, in like twenty five degree weather. God, Portland. Oh man. So speaking of loyalty, um, Bell. <laughs> let's uh, let's let's talk a little bit about Bell. Uh, that they, was a segue. They've been that through. Was a, a f- that was a great segue. Thanks, buddy. Uh, they've had a couple months of really really tough PR. They have had some really terrible terrible things happen to them of their own choosing don't get me wrong they did this to themselves but so first of all uh kevin krull the former head of bell media has resigned after admitting to meddling in coverage of the crtc uh let's talk tv hearings in uh february and march and uh he called ctv's head of news and said Please do not put the uh, commissioner of the CRTC's the, the CRTC commissioner's face on the news because they want to move the story away from him and more towards the the the, the news itself and the, the the decisions. So, just uh, journalism hot takes right now for our listeners. That's a bad thing to do. <laughs> that is called a conflict of interest. That is also called um, you know you're you're basically putting yourself in the line of fire against the the uh, against canada's media regulator yeah right you're you're directly meddling in an area where you should not be going anywhere near and he admitted that after the fact and he got uh he he apologized and it was a very convoluted apology but uh ultimately he the damage was done and this wasn't the first time that he'd reportedly done that because when verizon was sniffing around canada in 2013 he also apparently called up a bunch of uh, newspapers and uh, television channels and said that they can't report about the Verizon thing or they had to change their, their uh, reporting of the Verizon thing because they didn't want to portray Bell in a negative light or as vulnerable. So, or, or just portray Verizon as a potential, like a real thing that could happen, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people now, in retrospect, don't really think it was a, as close as it was. And Verizon has gone on the record to say that they were never really that interested. But mm. from what we've heard, I didn't the want to date her anyways. Yeah, exactly. Canada. <clears throat> from what we've heard through the grapevine, there was there was serious interest in uh, acquiring either wind or mobilicity or both, but uh, it just it didn't happen. So. Anyway, Kevin Crawl's out. Not only that, but uh, Bell shut down its um, relevant ad program after an investigation by the Privacy Commissioner's Office that said that it was violating its customers' privacy. And uh, because it didn't ask users to opt in, it was an opt-out clause, which meant that automatically anybody on the wireless or internet streams was having their uh, browsing tracked and that data sold anonymously 
apparently anonymously to uh, third-party advertisers to more directly target those ads to you. So for example, you shop for shoes a lot and uh, Bell would then sell your browsing data to these third-party advertisers who would then give you more targeted shoe ads, which would you would be more likely to click on. That's fine, Google does that all the time, but the problem is that you're already paying Bell a service and on top of that, Bell didn't ask you whether you wanted to do that. They didn't, they didn't ask your permission. So now they have reportedly closed that program. They have deleted the, the offending data. But today, Bell was hit with a $750 million class action lawsuit by a, a, a Windsor-based um, law firm that allows anybody who was a Bell customer between November 2013 and April 2015 to apply for uh, for some, uh, I guess, winnings from this lawsuit. So, if it goes through, it hasn't gone through yet. But you just you just know it's going to happen, though. Like, yeah, I mean, as... it'll it'll happen because they they screwed up, and I, I mean, they allege that it actually went against the Telecommunications Act. So we'll have to do a bit of uh, digging into this. It just happened this morning, but sorry, what do you mean they ele- who alleged the law firm alleged that Bell. Um, broke the the law by doing this because they were un, unlawfully tracking their customers' usage. And as part of the Telecommunications Act, uh, ISPs are not allowed to um, are not allowed to track user data or track user um, browsing without their permission. Yeah, just so, our government. Yeah. <laughs> Touche. Yeah, so, so not not the best, not, not the, the best, best few months quarter. for Bell. Yeah. However, uh, Bell has uh, has said that they've done some really uh, interesting things network wise. So they've launched LTE Advanced. Uh, they have Crave TV that's doing really well. They've uh, they've turned around some of their uh, poor showings in the in their earnings reports. So they they're they're making money. They're, whole new slew of executive appointments they're tr- attracting customers they've yeah the so on the day that crawl was outed they actually made a, a bunch of changes to their executive team uh, marianne turk the former head of media sales for bell media is now the head of the president of bell media um wade osterman the president the former president of uh, bell mobility is now the president of bce the umbrella company that governs all of these disparate parts and earlier this week the 2500 megahertz spectrum auction began so this is um, this is an interesting this is an interesting turn of events. Uh, not really because it's going to have a great impact on the way that our wireless networks work. Uh, it's it's a it's a higher spectrum. It is uh, it has the capabilities to to um, carry a lot of uh, LTE bandwidth over um, a smaller distance. So it's going to be used for fixed wireless in rural areas, which means that uh, you have a modem in your house and with an antenna on the outside and a tower will then beam the data into your home and basically power your home's wireless using LTE rather than say copper from or satellite uh, or satellite which is much more expensive and in areas that don't have any wire uh, any wired infrastructure this is a huge benefit um, so companies like Sasktel and MTS are experimenting with fixed uh, LTE, and they have a bunch of rollouts in areas that have no cable or DSL service. And uh, yeah, that's that's really 
what this is good for. Uh, there is um, a wireless element to this because Rogers and Bell currently support band 7 LTE. They've rolled it out to most of their major cities. And it's it's an auxiliary band. So it's not really ma- meant for uh, usage everywhere, but it's it's meant for usage where the, the, the signal is strong enough that uh, they can access, that your phone can access it. So anywhere... Um, like an urban area, Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, they will have this band seven support and it's got a lot of bandwidth. So it's very fast. Uh, this is the, that, that was the first, um, network band in, in Canada that supported 150 megabit, 150 megabits. So Rogers called it LTE max for a while, but they then changed their yeah. branding. So does if you that, remember does that band perform better in, in urban areas cause, cause the, the it's, it's wider and in, there's less interference like can it just get can it deal better in urban areas no so actually uh it it deals it doesn't deal in urban areas particularly well because there's a lot of interference and multipath that's that's what uh wireless interference is called multipath uh but the way it works is that when it does have a signal and you're closer to the tower than you would be with say a 700 megahertz um band you actually get faster speeds. So mm. uh, it's easier for you to lose that signal. But if you're in an open space and, and you know, you're close enough to the tower and there's no interference, you're in a, you know, and basically if you're in an area that can directly see the tower, you'll get that band. If you go into a basement, if you go into a building, you'll probably get either 700 or AWS. So there's three spectrum, there's three frequencies that, that Canadian networks now use uh, to, to, offer LTE. So this spectrum auction, because Bell and Rogers already have more than is allowed by the CRTC, they're not going to be forced to divest any of that. They can't, they're they're not going to be forced to sell it off, but they can't, they can't bid for any new ones. So TELUS is basically going to take the spectrum auction as long as well as wind. So wind's going to have some more spectrum at the end of this. And we'll probably report that next week after the finding, after the, uh, the auction results are, are public. Which is great because it's more spectrum for for wireless carriers to use. Shout out to Saskatchewan and Manitoba. What up, Saskatel? Rogers rolled out Wi-Fi at the Rogers Center. Beef or bust? Uh, So this is interesting for two levels. First of all, it's like this beginning of, you know, mobile overtaking our lives. Um in a sense that we can't go to a sporting event with, without needing to be connected or staring at our screen the whole way. But um, we were talking earlier this week, yesterday, the day before, about the new Sportsnet app, mm. uh, which is has been relaunched, looks very, very good. And uh, it was brought to our attention that maybe with this uh, Wi-Fi rollout, there will be a tied-in promotion to the Sportsnet app, which uh, is one of those vertical integrations that can be very, very profitable um, and doesn't look good for competing sports apps. Well, Rogers is taking advantage of the fact that they own the whole stack, and they've continued to do that. They rolled out a new version of roam like home this week and they're offering it only to share everything customers they're continuing to do that uh, fido rolled out its new plans yeah last week and is offering vice content exclusively because they can um, shout out to igor have, getting on that vice content 
Yeah, they are. Oh, yeah, he's uh, he had a a great story on uh, one of a uh, Toronto startup um, that's making really cool um, and advanced uh, drugs for uh, patients that uh, would normally cost a lot more. So uh, I think it's for cancer patients. Yeah, I didn't um, understand it at all. It was way over my head. Yeah, but uh, shout out Igor for doing a great job on that. Um, but yeah, so so good good kind of integration, being able to promote uh, your sports network's mobile app at a sporting event. Bad kind, telling the media not to report on things. Well, so... <laughs> I mean, free Wi-Fi is great, right? But ideally, you should be able to use your phone in the Rogers Center. So a lot of what they're doing is they're trying to offload some of that um, extra bandwidth yeah. to um, to Wi-Fi, which is, which is fantastic in theory. But they should just be using small cells to increase the coverage density of the Rogers Center itself. I mean, we have the same problem in the Air Canada Center we have the same yeah. problem during like the Santa Claus parade when everybody in Toronto or Montreal or Vancouver or one of those big cities is in a is in a um, you know is condensed into a small area the networks just can't support it they they just can't um, well they can't there's deal only with the, so much uh, you can do right because like I'm you know in the in the NBA Mark Cuban owner of the Dallas Mavs and uh, uh, communications mogul back in the day has, has spoken at length about you know, in, investigating the technology required to have a great kind of like connected experience at uh, Dallas Mavericks games. And he's just like, just the the density of the connection requests is just makes it very difficult to unfeasible to provide, you know, something, a service that is reliable or exceptional. Um, so when you tie that to the investment costs to just deal with like, you know, when you have 20,000 people in one spot, it's really hard to get a signal. Yo, you're absolutely right. But that's that's what small cells were designed for. They they can be deployed uh, nimbly in smaller areas. They don't put out nearly as much. The, the infrastructure isn't nearly as, as, um, as difficult to implement. So they're cheaper to deploy. They only really um, service a few hundred or a few thousand people. But they fill in the gaps where towers can't hit, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't know what the setup is like at the Rogers Center, but it's it's a clear um, example of sort of this this wireless mesh, like where where a mesh network would really benefit, um, and they just can't do that um, with with the same um, nimbleness as if they had a small cell rollout. So. Um, small cells, I think, are the are the key here. Uh, I, I don't know if that's something that they're going to do, but it's probably just cheaper for them to to go with Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and they just I don't know if they if it goes away when the dome opens. <laughs> just because the water. who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah. Okay. So what's uh, I mean I I haven't been to a Jays game yet this year, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to test it out. Well, the when home we opener go. was just this week. Um, apparently, they're they're young and feisty, but still not winning more than they're losing. So, hey, four another, and five, right? Another year of baseball, yeah. Um, okay. But I think there's a lot of Jays fans that are more excited about these guys because they're 
you know, they're young, so the expectations aren't there. And you oh, know, they're five and five. Sorry, I don't know. It's it's I baseball died for me the the day Kelly Gruber got traded. So, hmm. I admit not to know a lot about baseball. So, much to the chagrin of my friends, I'm a basketball guy. All right. So, uh, lastly, um, I got to try the Apple Watch. At mm-hmm. the uh, at the Apple Store on the on the tenth when pre-orders opened, I got to try the way that uh, any customer would be able to book an appointment, go on, go at, go to a store, try it on, uh, choose the band, choose the model that they want. Uh, it's it's a really really interesting experience, largely because we've now found out that you won't be able to buy an Apple Watch in an Apple Store until June. So yeah. a lot of this is all just about education, right? It's literal about- showrooming. Yeah, it's about proving that the Apple Watch has a purpose, and uh, you can go in, you can see the demo loop, you can try, you can you can try on different bands, different different sizes, see what's right for you, and then go home and order one. Uh, which you know, it, this this sort of asynchronous, the asynchronousness is 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 interesting uh, because on the one hand, a lot of people have already who wanted one have already pre-ordered it and will then book the appointment to go in and try one on. And then maybe cancel their order if they find a different one than they that they want. But this is more for the future. This is more for people who don't really know uh, what they want if they want to just you know try it on at all. Yeah, for non early adopters, I would think to you know it's that education phase of the broad populace to be like, oh yeah, maybe maybe for Christmas, maybe I don't know, maybe we want this, maybe we want to. An Apple Watch, like just and, and it just it it leverages that strength of like you know Apple's retail, which is like you know become become the anchor store of many many a mall um, in Canada and across the world to just you know they they have so much foot traffic going into those uh, stores all the time. It's like it's a great way for them to just slowly indoctrinate people into the idea that having uh, multi-hundred dollar uh, watch on their wrist is something that they need. Little yeah. Sally and little Timmy need their their smart watches for Christmas. Well, I mean, the $450 Apple Watch Sport, my guess is going to be one of the most popular Christmas presents of 2015. By far. Yeah. You, you know, because it's one of those things where it's a single thing. Uh, it's It's expensive, so it's like a special a special gift yeah. uh but it needs an iphone so a lot of people can justify it because they've already purchased an iphone um and it's going to be one of those things where oh, okay well i don't want to you know let's team up and buy it for somebody's birthday or somebody's christmas present right like it's it's a very tangible um gift that people are going to much more personal yeah it is it's also i mean that's true too like you know if, if you can customize it to suit individuals desires right so um anybody who's dismissing the apple watch because they think it's too expensive really really needs to take a look at the the watch market in general and uh you know if anybody's gonna if anybody would have bought a watch or received a watch as a present those watches are usually in the four four hundred to you know thousands of dollar ranges anyway well, it's easier. So, it's also easier to buy kind of a watch as a gift than a phone as a gift, just because of the way the purchasing goes. Yeah. Um, like you don't like there's no carrier 
you need? Like, I couldn't just, like, buy you a phone. Like, unless I wanted to buy it unlocked, depending on if there's, like, an unlocked market, I can't just buy you a phone for Christmas. I might be signing you up with a contract or doing that, whereas this I can just go Apple Store, watch, and, and you know, make sure you get the band that you like in that color that you feel is, is attractive. But you can pretty much book that Business Insider article uh, January of 2016 about how dominant Apple's Christmas was with the Apple Watch. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, and by then inventory will be will be, you know, full and and there'll be lots of thir- and the other thing that we we shouldn't count out is that the third party accessory industry is going to go nuts over this, right? They've already gone nuts over it, but they're going to go crazy over, uh, you know, different third party bands, uh, charging stations, battery packs, everything that you know one would expect for an iPhone. Yep. This is just going to the the same frenzy is going to happen with the Apple Watch. It's going to be bananas. Also, the native apps by then. Uh, yeah, they were talking about it by November, so I think native apps are going to happen. Yeah, you could just see the you could just see the native app Christmas commercial of like the wonders of your watch, and you know, That's like true a daughter making a a phone a, a song for her grandma on her watch or something. And then everyone cries. That's beautiful. Uh, okay, so I think that's. I think we've sort of gone through the the major stuff. We made it the last ten ten days. Um, I I just want to say, City Mapper, one of my favorite favorite transit apps that I use all the time in the states, is finally in Canada. So if you're in Toronto, Vancouver, or Montreal, try this app. Let me know how you like it. It's fantastic. It's way. I mean, I like Transit App, and I will continue using Transit App. But City Mapper is uh, a good competitor, and uh, it's it's a really really great company. So let us know how you like it. Um, let us know how you buy your phones. Let us know what you thought. Let us know what you ate for breakfast this morning. Just let us know something. We love. Tell you guys. us you love us. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with another Syrupcast. And uh, we will hopefully have a special guest for you. I, uh, I, I will talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.